so um, look at Ephesians chapter 6. Scripture that probably everyone here is familiar with. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. And you guys are free to talk back and like to discuss or whatever. But in uh, verse 10 in Ephesians 6, it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. I don't know if you guys believe it or not, but there is supernatural out there. There are supernatural enemies who, whose purpose for their existence is to destroy you. And like uh, the thoughts, like specifically not to single you out or anything like that, but the thoughts that we think, even thoughts about, um, you know, depression and things like that, these are thoughts and attacks from the enemy. And so when we study the Bible, it shows us how to overcome those thoughts. And the way that we do that is in verse 16, it says, in all these verses, he talks about taking up the armor of God. Now, this is not something like, I went to a Bible class one day and they were like, well, you know, every morning you get up and you put on the breastplate of righteousness and you put on the helmet of salvation. And, and it's like, come on. The thing is, is, is salvation protects your heart, right? When it talks about the breastplate of salvation, when you're walking in that relationship with God, it protects your heart. When you, um, the helmet of salvation, that protects your mind, right? When you, when you are guarding your mind, when you're protecting the things that come into your mind, it protects you, okay? And so in verse 16, it says, In addition to all of this, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so God has given us weapons to fight, Um. Uh, and two of those weapons are faith and, and the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Um, I've listened to teaching before, and they're like, well, okay, so you have one defensive weapon and one offensive weapon. The shield is a defensive weapon, and the sword is an offensive weapon. Well, these are complete weapons. You know what I'm saying? We as believers, we limit ourselves a lot of times because we kind of relegate everything to little boxes, and we say, well, this is this, and it can only be this, and it can never be this. Uh, when you talk, about, when you when you think about the uh, armor of God that the guys were talking about, they were talking about the Romans and the and the weapons that they carried. They had this big shield that I think the Latin term of it was called a door. Um, it was a weapon of protection. It was a weapon that you could shield the the arrows and the spears and the attacks of the enemy. But something that's that heavy and that's that powerful can also be a, a weapon of offense. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can slam somebody with it. You can you can you can smash them with it. And so, same with the sword of the spirit. It can also be used to block and to ward off attacks of the enemy. So these are weapons that God has given us in. The more that we begin to immerse ourselves in the Word of God and let the Word of God get into us, it gives us weapons so that when the enemy does come at us, and the enemy will come at you. It's not a question of if that's going to happen. It's a question of when it's going to happen. And essentially, it happens worse because you are a believer, because you are a child of God. Turn to Isaiah chapter 59. Can you say that a little bit, 18, that verse 18 right after that? Uh-huh. It says that,
say fun, but it's almost like a, oh yeah? Like, so yeah. I'm going to pray for all, like, all these people. Like, when I start feeling attacked, it's like, okay, all right, I see how it is. In Jesus' name, I just start praying for my students and praying for these yeah. people. It's like, all right, you're going to attack me with this? I'm going to pray for people in the name of Jesus. And it's like, just, so awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. in your face. Yeah. <laughs> just, Especially if thoughts of those people are stressing you out. It's like, the enemy's trying to make you mad, and then you turn it on the enemy. I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or just any, yeah, or That's just anyone awesome. who is oppressed or anything mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Just like, pray for them in the yeah. name of Jesus. That's it's like, awesome. it's just... Kind and that's awesome if you take it like with the sword of the spirit and you take the scriptures and you're praying yes. those spirits. I mean, it's just powerful. So um, Isaiah 59. And always, guys, like at the beginning of your Bible, because sometimes we like to go to the Old Testament. But in the very beginning of your Bible is a table of contents. So if you can never find like a uh, like a book of the Bible, just look in your table of contents and it'll tell you the page that it's on. So Oh yeah. From beginning to end. Yes. Nice. And I have forgotten. Yeah. I have forgotten. Since, yeah. But I'm like, oh yeah, that's after this. Nice. So, <laughs> it helps. Yeah, that's. I think they used to teach songs like how to, like memorize the books of the Bible that's or something like that. Them. Really? They know, they know them all. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Okay, Isaiah 59, verse one. It says, "Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot cannot save." Nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. Look at this in verse 2. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Look in, uh, skip over to verse 12. And see, I, I think that this is pretty much the shape of our country right now. I mean, even though we call ourselves a Christian nation, I mean, we're, we're by no means Christian. I mean, there are Christians in this nation, but I mean, even our... Our government is corrupt. I mean, all the all the you know the high places, the institutions have been. You know that most of the colleges, if not pretty much almost all the colleges in this nation, were were formed as Christian institutions. I mean, even the ones like Yale and Harvard, those were Christian institutions when they were formed, and uh, they have now like even the schools of theology teach that God is not real. And so the people that go through those schools of theology, they're just doing it for an occupation. And, uh, you know, and so that's what the schools in this nation have de degenerated into. And in verse uh, 12, it says, For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities. Transgressing and denying the Lord and turning away from our God. Speaking oppression and revolt, conce conceiving in and uttering from the heart lying words. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away. Look at this. For truth has stumbled in the street and uprightness cannot enter. Look at verse 15. He says, yes, truth is lacking and he who turns aside from evil makes himself a prey. You see that? And so, and that's the thing. When you, you know, the thing is, is, is when you're living in the world, the, the devil has no part. He has no problem with you because you're not doing anything against his kingdom. Mm -hmm. But when you give your life to the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm going to follow you fully. I'm going to be a part of your kingdom. And whether you realize it or not, when you become a Christian, you step into war because there is an enemy who is out to destroy the world and everything that's in the world. 
Um, it's just like, you know, when, when uh, Jesus was born and Herod wanted to kill all the babies in, in Bethlehem. Well, in the same way, now there's an enemy, enemy that's killing babies every single day, you know? And this is the state and the condition of our world. And so when, you, when your eyes are open to see that this is wrong and I'm not living like that anymore, then you've created yourself an enemy. And this enemy is ruthless. This enemy seeks to steal, kill, and devour. And that's his only purpose with you. And it's not because of, of, of who you are personally. It's because who you are aligned with. Um, the Grateful Dead used to have a song called The Friend of the Devil. And he said, anyone that's a friend of the devil is a friend of mine. Well, in the same way, anyone that's an enemy of, uh, anyone that's a friend of Jesus becomes an enemy of the devil. And because of who's you belong to, you have now become an enemy. And so the point is, is that as believers, you don't wait for the day when trouble comes. You don't wait for the day when attacks come because they're going to come. And so when you begin to prepare, when you prepare beforehand, when you strengthen yourself beforehand, when you put on the armor, when you renew your mind with the word of God, then when the evil day comes, you're already prepared and you're already to stand against it because you've already... The thing is, is how does the enemy attack? The enemy attacks through sneak attacks, right? Every army in the world tries to attack from behind or from some way that you're not expecting it. Because if you come at someone from a way that they're expecting it, chances are it's not going to succeed. So if you're wise, you're going to try to come around behind them or you're going to try to do something sneaky or devious or whatever because that way you know the enemy is not waiting for you. And so we as the people of God, we, we, we get wisdom. And we acquire wisdom and we acquire intelligence and we acquire understanding of how God works and how the enemy works and how to stand against the enemy. Amen? Um, look at John 15. And so this is not to frighten you because the Bible says that he that lives in you is greater than he that lives in the world. And this is something that we have to renew our minds with too because God is, who lives in me is more powerful than the one who's attacking me. And if I trust him, I believe in him, and I believe his word, I will overcome, right? Not that I won't get knocked down a few times, but eventually I will overcome and I will stand victorious. The Bible says in Romans 8 that if that spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, it will give life to your body. Amen. It will give life to your spirit and you will be able to overcome this, the plans and the attacks of the enemy. Amen. In John 15 verse 18 Jesus says, If the world hates you, you know that it's hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world because, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. You see that? So again, it's not because of who you are, because you've done something wrong, or because, you know, um, you're a bad person or anything like that. Matter of fact, it's the opposite. It's because you are doing right. It's because you're following um, the God of the universe, and because he has an enemy that wants to destroy anything that's good in this world. Mm -hmm. that scripture that says, do not be surprised by the fiery ordeal that's among you. That's in Peter. That's a good one, too. It's like 
We sometimes act surprised, like, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> the devil's attacking me. Well, don't be surprised, it's going to happen. Okay, turn to Acts 14. I'm going to look at kind of an example. Does anybody need a Bible? Do you guys, does everyone know? Okay. Acts 14, verse 8. Uh, in Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas had been in Iconium uh, preaching the gospel, and because of it, the people tried to stone them, so they went to the next city. And in verse 8, it says, At Lystra, a man who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked, said that this man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who, when he had fixed his gaze on him and had seen that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And the man that was lame leapt up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice, saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have become like men and have come down to us. Okay, so basically this, Paul and Barnabas are going to the Greeks. So you guys all know the history of the Greeks, how they believed in the Greek gods, and they believed in many gods and stuff. And so these guys worshipped the Greek gods. And so when Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, um, heals this man, they attribute it to the Greek gods. And in verse, Paul, uh, verse 12, and they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their robes and rushed out into the crowd, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. So these people are trying to worship Paul and Barnabas and Paul and Barnabas is saying, this is what we're trying to save you from. You're worshiping this vanity, this stuff that doesn't exist, these, these idols, these demons. And we're trying to tell you that there is a God who is above this. And that's the reason why we're here. You've got it all wrong. Uh, in verse 16, in the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways. And yet he did, and yet he did not leave himself without witness and that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. God reigns upon the just as well as unjust, right? Even saying these things with difficulty, they restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, look at this, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. This is so crazy. I love that. <laughs> this is so crazy. In this, hello. Hello, I didn't know you were there. <laughs> this is so awesome. And this is why, to me, the Word of God is so believable. If you read, say, like the Book of Mormon or books from religions, everything in them is good. Everything is, is there to make it look good. We don't have any problems. There's no cracks. There's nothing, nothing bad ever happens. The Bible tells the truth. And it's so amazing to me. These people were worshiping Paul and Barnabas. And they were going to sacrifice, offer sacrifices to them. They're calling them Zeus and, and Hermes and stuff. And then the next minute, someone comes and tells them, no, these guys are bad. And so now they want to stone them to death. I mean... It's just crazy. This is the fickleness of mankind. 
I mean, here at one minute, we're with you. It's the same with Jesus. He entered in through the gates, and people are saying, Hosanna to the king of kings, and they're laying palm branches at his feet. Three days later, those same people are crucifying him. And saying, crucify this man. And stuff. And so, we have to be born again. The gospel is not to come make dead people look pretty. The gospel is not taking lipstick and putting it on a pig. The gospel is taking someone who is dead, who is lost in their sins, and bringing them out of the grave and causing them, causing them to live. And it's putting life where there is no life. It's not just a religion. It's not just going to church. It's not just doing religious vows, doing religious things. It's being transformed. It's being born again. It's being delivered from those things. And now you are a new person. I've seen people since when I was in high school, and they're like, you are not the same person that you were. Because I was the clown. I was the guy getting in trouble. I was the guy going to the principal's office. I was the guy that was making D's and F's and stuff. And so when they see me now, they're like, you are not the same person that you were. And it's because Jesus has changed me. And I'm not. I'm a different person. Um, Just that. <laughs> yeah, even from the beginning of our marriage. Huh? <laughs> says, uh, verse 20, but while the disciples stood around, the, um, it says, okay, back to verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day he went away with Barnabas to Derby. Paul is crazy, man. <laughs> I mean, and here's the thing, too. I mean, we think, we think of, like, when they stoned him, they took these rocks and just threw them and stuff. They were grabbing boulders. Yeah. They want, when they stoned you, they wanted to kill you. And it wasn't fun and games. They were trying to kill Paul and stuff. And so he gets up, goes to the next city and stuff. In verse 21, after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to the same place where they got stoned, and uh, to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, look at this, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Mm. Now we are in a time where we're not being persecuted. And I mean, we should thank God for that. I mean, it's awesome. But there are places in the world where people are being persecuted for their faith. I mean, right now. And it's only God's blessing that we're not. And, I mean, that should make us thankful. Um, let's see. Turn to 1 Peter 2. So, again, if you're following the Lord, there will be persecution. Um, even such things like when those guys were picking on your son. I mean, we live in a spiritual world, and whether people know that you're a Christian or not, the enemy knows. Yeah. And sometimes, like, he'll stir people up against you, people that you don't even know, or people that you yeah. may know. But he'll cause division, he'll cause strife, and he'll cause people to turn against you mm -hmm. because he is trying to destroy you. And, and in your case, too, like, he'll cause family members, you know? Yeah. You know, it could 
could be your parents in your case, it could be your children in someone else's case, it could be your cousin or your sister or your, sometimes he'll use family, you know, to try to drive you down. And it'll happen at work, it'll happen at school, it'll happen at places where, you know, people will discriminate against you because you're not like someone else, because you don't compromise in certain ways, because you don't do, you don't play the line, you don't do the things that they want you to do, you don't compromise where people want you to compromise, so because of that, you, you get discriminated against, all right? And in Second Peter 2, or First Peter 2, sorry, verse 13, says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as a one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, but look at this, do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor, look at this, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. I like the way my, my for this is the gracious thing, but mm. mindful of God, one endures sorrows while, stu- while suffering unjustly. Mm, awesome. That's good. Yeah. In verse 20, he says, For what credit is there if when, you're, when you sin and you're harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if you do what's right and suffer for it, for it, suffer for it you patiently endure it. Look at this. This finds favor with God. Amen. Yeah, and I so... Think it's in the everyday things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff like, mm-hmm. you know, just the day-to-day things like at work. You know, am I going to cut corners or am I going to do... Right. What they ask me to do. Yeah. Teaching's got to be tough. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. I I think you're exactly right. I think for some people, you know, and the thing is, is I think the trials are not different. I think they're just larger or smaller. You know what I'm saying? The Bible says, Jesus said, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the big things. Mm -hmm. And so even though there are people being tortured by ISIS and things like that, and we're not, we still get tested we still are persecuted in our ways for for following the lord and things and stuff so it's not so it's not saying that to belittle you for the things that you endure because the things that you endure if you're enduring them for the right reasons and doing it for the will of god god sees that and god blesses that and it blesses the heart of god and uh, so it's no, it's no less a blessing to the heart of God than people that are being persecuted physically. You know what I'm saying? So, um, okay. So again, we're in a war. Um, and again, we're not suffering because we're doing stupid things. That whole scripture is about do what's right. Be an example. We're called to be an ambassadors for the Lord, right? We're the only Jesus some people see. Um, and that kind of scares me sometimes. It kind of convicts me a lot of times. But you know, the people that I'm the people that I work with, they do not know Jesus. They don't know Jesus at all, and stuff. And so, I try to be an example to them. And I don't I don't do it in a judgmental way and just go, "You guys are a bunch of pagans" or or anything like that. Matter of fact. A lot of those guys have invited me to their house and like a lot of guys actually invited me to go drink with them and stuff. 
you know, but it's like, but that's not what I'm about. So there's, there's a balance in there somewhere in that you can't be just this, this religious, you know, Pharisee that nobody wants to be around it. I mean, you read the scriptures, sinners wanted to be around Jesus. And I mean, that's just amazing to me. You know, what was he like that he attracted, like he attracted the worst people to himself and yet they changed. He didn't change, but they changed and stuff. So I want to be in the world and I want to be the type of person to where I'm not changing to be like the sinners that I work with. I'm not, I'm not compromising and I'm not going out partying with them and things like that. But at the same time, I let them know that, hey, I'm fun to be around. I'm not, you know, just this religious person that you don't want to be around. Mm -hmm. So that's the gospel to me. Right, and that's the gospel, just like you say, where we live every day in the in the mundane things. Um, so, I wanted to look at like three things that the devil uses to attack us with. Okay, and again, these are all things that happen in our minds. The battlefield is in your mind. That's why the Bible says, "Take on the helmet of salvation," and that's where you take the scriptures. And when the devil tells you you're worthless, you combat it with scripture. God uses the worthless things to mm -hmm. confound the wise. Matter of fact, let's look at that. It's in First Corinthians chapter one, and this is a scripture that I've tried to memorize and try to meditate on a lot because I deal with this stuff. I mean, I come from a broken family. I come from a family where my dad was always telling me, you know, you're not going to succeed. You're not anything, right? And I've had to live with that all my life. But see, when I come to Jesus and I have a new father, my father in heaven doesn't treat me like that. And in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26, it says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh. We're not like Nobel scientists here. We're not rocket scientists. We're not geniuses here. It says there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things or the worthless things of the world and the despised, God has specifically chosen. So if you think of yourself in those terms, you can think, hey, God loves me for who I am. He sees my weaknesses. He sees my faults. He sees everything that I'm not. And he says, you know what? You're the one that I want. I choose you. This is the very verse that I've had to war for for my children. When people who, even believers, have spoke things over them that were not true. Mm -hmm. That, you know, that they're going to be a statistic because they don't have a dad. Or those kinds of things, you know. And so that's the very thing that I've spoken over them. Because they're not a statistic. They're a child of God. That's so, awesome. It's awesome. While we're waiting for Beck to come in the bathroom, I'm not sure. Um, I have a, um, I know of a child in my life that God gave him a dream that was really powerful um, where when they were about 12 years old, um, still struggling with feeling that, you know, feeling like God doesn't love them, just struggling with self-worth. And, um, and in the dream, the devil came to them in a dream and um, had this book and 
all in the book, all these bad things were written about them, and the, the mm -hmm. book was like, you're worthless because of this, you're worthless because of that, you're worthless because mm -hmm. of this and that and that and that, you're not worthy because of this, you're not worthy because of that. It was this huge, thick book, and um, she said that she grabbed it out of the devil's hand and started ripping it to shreds, and as soon as she did, he disappeared. Hmm. And um, that's taking the thoughts captive. Those words aren't from the Lord, they were from the enemy, so by ripping them up and saying no, that's taking him captive. Then the enemy disappears. Well, he, he tries to come back. So, in the dream, he came, comes back. And this time, she took the sword and, w and destroyed him with the sword. And Dean talked about earlier about the sword of the spirit. And I just, that was a really thought. That was a really powerful dream to hmm. um, for God to share with a child to let them know how loved they are and how important it was that they fight those lies. From and that's the thing we we you know we get in situations where we screw up or we do something wrong and and we say like you're so stupid or you're you know you you're always going to fail or you're never going to succeed or some things like that you know and the problem is is we think that that's our voice because it sounds like our voice right mm -hmm. and it sounds like me that's saying that but it's the devil saying it and it's like even like when my kids or something or even like Amy sometimes she'll say oh, I'm stupid and I'm like don't say that because yeah. <laughs> it's not true and it's not I mean there is no stupid person I've 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 known I, I don't know how many people I've met in my life but I've never met a truly stupid person I mean you know we're all smart in different areas and you might be smart in one area and maybe not so smart in another area but you're going to have areas where you are smart you're going to have areas where you're intelligent. You're going to have things. Every single person has gifts. Every single person has things that they're good at that God has put in you that, that you shine at. And uh, that's not an accident. And so, so everybody has something to offer. Everybody has something good. Everybody is precious in the sight of God. And so every time you hear those voices that say that, um, that's part of the battle. You know that that's a lie. And you know that that's not you. A big, a big, big, big part of reading the Word um, is finding your identity. Um, just knowing, absolutely knowing, who you are, who yeah. God says you are. Not the things that, you know, I thought, because, you know, I heard my self-worth goes down. Um, I can't do this because, you know, I'm, I'm stupid, whatever. Mm. Or I failed something, it's because you're stupid. Um, and it's not. Those are absolute lies. Um, and so, just working through that, like just becoming smarter about things, um, learning, and like, so I, I struggle with that. Like, I, I have a hard time not learning about stuff because still that, that lie sits in the back of my mind mm. um, that, you, you know, you're not, that you're not worthy, that you, you don't know how, that you're stupid, that you somehow are insignificant or whatever. And so I, I tend to, like, try to pile up all these, all these knowledgeable things. Like, I can, I can do all sorts of stuff. I really can. Um, but I try to use that kind of as armor instead of going to the Lord. Um, and instead of using the armor of God, um, I try to use my own, my, own, my own stuff that I've built up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my own self-worth. But that's not where it comes from. Mm. Natural thing. The more you meditate on scriptures like this, the more it begins to take the words that you've always believed. 
and stuff, and it begins to renew your mind, and then you, you find yourself starting to believe these words, and these words, because the thing is, is, you know, it's like with a lot of uh, people that are addicted to drugs, you're just like, well, stop what you're doing. And stuff. You can't just stop what you're doing. You have to replace what you're doing well, with something positive. One of the things, one of the things that that I like per, uh, personally, like living in living and working at the Freedom House mm-hmm. and having gone through the program, when I came in there, I had been to AA a couple of times and I hated it. Yeah. Like, I'm an alcoholic. I'm always gonna be an alcoholic. Uh-huh. No, yeah. that's a lie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. You're a child of God, and He says you can overcome anything. By the power of my word and, and 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 my blood, my blood has washed you clean. You are a new creation, and so when you start walking in that, mm. you're not you're not labeling yourself with that thing, stupid or drug alcoholic. addict or alcoholic mm. or sinner or adulterer or mm. thief. Um, they don't they don't they don't exist. The Bible mm. says that's not you. Mm-hmm. The Bible said that's not who you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And, so, yeah. and it's like whenever I find myself like there are legitimate things where like I really haven't been worthy but it's like God reminded me that the truth is I'm not worthy you know mm-hmm. but God demonstrates his own love toward me He's in that while I was still a sinner Christ yeah. died for me yeah. and it's like I can go to him in my utmost weakness and just mess him up and just say God and just be thankful for me. Like thank you, God, that I'm this person that needs extreme help in mm-hmm. this area. I'm so weak in this area. I need you so much in this way. And and I like I'm thank thank you that I need you. You know, mm-hmm. like and and then he just pff, love comes in. That's awesome. And that's the thing. No yeah. no worthy person right. has ever gotten saved. Right. <laughs> no, I mean the thing is is that's why we need a savior. Right. Because we are sinners and because we are screwed up. No perfect person has ever gotten saved, ever. And no perfect person will ever get saved because <laughs> Jesus doesn't save perfect people. He saves people, and there isn't perfect people anyway, except for Jesus. And that's a way, that's the reason why He can save us, because He is perfect. Um, so back to verse 26. It says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. Hallelujah. And that's us, right? Uh-huh. And the base things are the worthless things of the world. And the despised, God has chosen the things that are not so that he can nullify the things that are. So that, look at this, so that no man can boast before God. Nobody has a right to boast before God. The only people that boast before God are people that don't know God and don't know that they're in need of Him, right? And the thing is, is God allows us to go through tough things sometimes to find Him there. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. It says um, in verse 30, But by His doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Amen? So some of the things that I wanted to talk about, number one is fear. Um, everybody deals with fear. It's something that, again, we, we all deal with. We all have to face it. Uh, some of us more than others. Um, some of us that have been abused deal with it on a constant basis. Um, 
You know, I was physically abused as a kid, and so I've I've had to deal with a lot of fear. And and I mean, it's like ask Amy, like even even with Bible studies, because I'm the person, I'm the type of person that doesn't like to be out there. I'm the type of person that doesn't like to be the center of attention or the focus or anything. I, I'm I'm happy just sitting in the back row, just kind of doing my thing, you know, and stuff. And every week I kind of have this ritual, like the day before, it's like, well, do do. Are we sure we want to do this? And then the day of, it's like, can't we just like cancel this and maybe like, like maybe no one will show up and like I'm pacing the floors and stuff and I'm snapping at like Amy and and it's just like I'm impossible to live with and and it's like it's just that fear, you know. And the thing is, is is but and it's funny to me because that's what God does a lot of times. God will call you to something that you are unequipped for. And he'll have you walk in that, and you're like, you're like, you're like, can somebody else do this, you know? And God's like, no, you're going to do this. Yeah, it's like when Moses, God calls Moses to do it, and Moses is like, dude, I, I'm not the guy, you know? I mean, there's there's so many people in the Bible that are that way, uh, Moses and, and um, uh, Gideon, and guys that God says, hey, check it out, I'm going to use you. And you're like, whoa, wait a second, you... You are not qualified to disqualify ourselves. Yeah. And we try. We try. We're like, we're like, no, I don't want to do that. And God's like, yeah, yeah, you need to do that. And the thing is, is when we do do it, we get blessed, right? Yeah. It's a whole thing of like when, 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 the, when the prostitute broke the alabaster jar of perfume and poured it on Jesus' feet and, and wiped it with her hair, she got blessed by that. Right? That act of worship that she was doing. And that's why we worship too. I mean, we worship God because He's worthy and because of what He's done for it. And we don't do it for what we get out of it, but we get blessed. We worship God and that fragrance, that aroma comes back on us and and it fills the room and everybody that's in there gets blessed. Mm -hmm. And it's because of our obedience to Him. And it's because we're not doing it for any purpose. We're not doing it to get blessed. We're doing it to bless him. And when that happens, it returns back on us. Um, and so, yeah, fear, fear will do a couple things. Number one, it will immobilize you like the deer in the headlights. And these are things that the enemy does on purpose. Like you watch nature. The Bible talks about like we can learn from nature and stuff. And, and God created nature to teach us and to instruct us. I love watching like Discovery Channel and National Geographic and stuff and just to watch how lions and, and predators attack and, and things like that. One of the things they do is, is, again, they try to freeze you. They try to immobilize you. The deer in the headlights thing. Because if you stop, What's going to happen? You're going to get eaten. Don't get it. Right. And that's what happens with us a lot of times. We become, we're, we're following God. We're trying to serve Him. We're trying to do what's right. And fear comes into our heart. The enemy whispers fear into our minds. And it causes us to stop doing what we're doing. If God has called us to do something, if God has called us to witness to somebody, if God has called us to preach, if God has called us to worship, if God has called us whatever He calls us to do, sometimes we're like, we stop and we're like, oh, I don't want to do that. When you do that, and when you're not, when, you're, when you freeze like that, you become prey to the enemy. And the enemy will attack you there and destroy you. Worse yet, if you run, it's that's my next thing. The next thing is running. Because the enemy, you watch a lot, herd of lions, what they try to do is they try to separate one from the herd. 
they separate one from the herd, it's pretty much done. Because it's it it's it's a work of beauty. It really is. I, I've got a friend that has dogs that hunt coyotes in, in West Texas. And they these dogs know their role. Every single dog in that pack has a role. One dog runs ahead, this dog goes to this side, this dog goes to this side, and this dog stays back in case there's a straggler. And they all have a purpose, and they'll lock on to somebody like a heat-seeking missile. They'll separate that one from the herd. The weak or the young or the old, they'll separate it from the herd, and they got it. They, once, you, once they get you from the herd. And that's why the Bible says, do not forsake the assembly yeah. of the brothers. Because, again, what happens is, like, we're following God, and something happens, and, you know, it, it, and things happen in church all the time. People's feelings get hurt, offenses come, and it's like people are like, well, I'm not going no more. Yeah. And I'm not yeah, fellowshipping anymore. Yeah. yeah that's and it, 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 that's the thing. It's like we're promised. Yeah. God's like, I told you. I told you that was going to happen. The only thing Jesus said was impossible, that offenses wouldn't come. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing. They come and we're not prepared. And honestly, I believe that in a lot of churches, it's, it's because of that feel-good Christianity that just God wants to bless your socks off. He wants to make you happy, buy you a car, buy you a house, whatever and stuff. And the thing is, is here's the real world. Paul says, I've learned how to abase and how to abound. Yep. Paul says, I've had everything and I've had nothing. And, and the thing is, is he learned to be content in whatever place he was at. And there are times when God's blessing you. And there are times when God is pouring his blessings out on you. And he's just, everything you do is just like, wow, it's just awesome. And then there's times it's like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And it's like, everyone's turning against you. All hell is coming against your life. And you're like, I am not knowing what's going on here. Just like you said, he said it was going to happen. And we need our brothers in those moments. So exactly. If you get separated from the herd, you're all alone. And that's why we need brothers. That's why we need sisters. You, you've got to have somebody I've that you can share with. I've seen the worst outcome of somebody being separated. Yeah. And it is hell on earth. Physically. Like, really. Like, devastation to the utmost. Well, it happens. Like, I, I get to see that. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. I get to see that at my job. Mm -hmm. Somebody leaves the house. They purposely run away mm -hmm. from the assembly. Yeah. They go to do whatever they're doing, and they get jacked up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything goes wrong. And, the and whole world. God, God lets the hammer fall. It's, it's hard. Yeah. And you pray for them, and you want them to come back like... We had some friends that left the house and we're like texting them and trying to get them to come back and, and they won't, you know, do it and stuff. And it's like, you know, um, it's, I mean, it's got to be the same reaction when, it's got to be the same reaction when a herd of zebras see someone get separated and it's like, and it's like, don't do it, don't do it, you know. And that's the thing, and that's, again, why we don't wait for the trials to come before you strengthen yourself. Yeah, you don't really wait for the persecution to come. You, don't, you know it's going to come, and you prepare for it. It's like the Bible says, a wise man that built his house on the rock. I mean, he was ready when the storms came and when the winds came. The one that built his house on... And that's the thing, guys. If, we're, if we are focused, if our lives are all about this world, if our lives are all about 
this, then we will not be prepared. And that's, that's why it's awesome that you guys will spend your Sunday afternoons and come to a Bible study. You know? Because this is getting, prep, getting prepared. This is strengthening yourself. This is armor. And, and this is... And relationships, which we need to yeah. before we go through the trial, like you were saying, be prepared ahead of time. So, I mean, it's just... This is, these are the things that you do. I mean, you can get caught up in the world and it's easy. It's easy. It's, you know, there's so much that the world has to allure us, to draw our minds away and stuff. So you can spend your day thinking about, you know, this new car. You know what? I've, I, I drive, I, I work at Costco. I, I go, my job is going and getting cars, bringing them in, fixing their tires and taking them out and stuff like that. Before that, I had a car, I had a job working for an auction company where I would drive um, like hundreds of miles, go get cars, bring them back to be auctioned and things like that. I've driven BMWs, I've driven Lexuses, I've driven like, like Teslas, I've driven some really nice cars. At the end of the day, it's just a car. You know? It's just a car. I used to have a Camaro when, I, when me and Amy first met. It had T-tops, it, it had sparkly paint, and, you know. And it was awesome. But it was a car. The stereo would always, it had this really cool swivel stereo that never worked. It had a cassette deck in it, and if you guys have had cassettes, you know the thing's going to eat them, you know? And so it's like, you know, but this was the latest technology, right? And stuff, and that's, we get so caught up in the things of this life and the things of this world, and we think that they're important. And I'm telling you, I'm getting at the age, you guys are all still young, but I'm getting at the age where I'm starting to see this life is going by. And it's not going to be around long. And I'm, we're not going to be around long. And the only thing that we have that will last is stuff that we've done for Jesus. Yeah. Right? The things that you put into people's hearts, the things when you minister to somebody. We were uh, preaching. We, we used to, when I lived in Lubbock, we used to go out on the streets and preach and, and minister a lot and stuff. And... Uh, like I, years later, some guy came up to me and said, "You guys used to go out in, on the streets and, and minister," and, I, and, he's, and he knew my name and everything. And the guy had come to the Lord, and I didn't know who he was at all. I didn't remember him in any way, shape, or form. But apparently, what I said to him led him to the Lord. And so the thing is, is that will last forever. Who knows how many people he might lead to the Lord? You know, who knows what impact that he's going to have that's going to be eternal, that will last forever. And that's the stuff that Jesus says, wrath and must, wrath and must, <laughs> moth and rust can't take that away from you. All this stuff that we value, that we treasure, this can be gone. It will be gone. mind just went blank. Becca, tell me his name again. Gentry. Gentry. Gentry went on the mission trip to mission trip with Becca and um, Hudson. And just along the lines of what Dad's saying just occurred to me. You know, Gentry went to Trinidad and he shared the gospel with people. And right now he's like in heaven celebrating God with th mm. those people that he led to the Lord when he was in Trinidad. You know, like He's going to be up there, and those who maybe haven't got there yet, he's going to be up there waiting for them. And 
that's mm. something that he he was able to put into someone's life this year that's going to last forever, and that's a pretty awesome thing. And that's the thing is is I'm sure he had no idea. Yeah. He had no idea that, that, that he this was going to. This might gonna, be his last year to share the gospel, you know. But but you know he's being blessed. He's being rewarded. And that's, that's the thing, you know, I mean, um, where do you turn when times are hard? Yeah. I mean, do you turn to the things of this world, to right. worldly solutions? You know, I'm smart. I can right. work my way out of this. Yeah. I, can, I can find solutions to this. I can, I can manipulate the, the circumstances. I can, I can do certain things, you know, and it's really tough if you are a little smart because you learn how to manipulate the system. You learn how to... Um, manipulate people and, and, and things like that you know where do you turn and right. stuff there there was a a book that was written in the 1500s by a catholic monk called dark night of the soul and um if you've ever read that book you you realize that god didn't call that man to write but he called that man to come up with that name because that name is so awesome i mean because as a believer, or even not as a believer, if you are in this world that's filled with evil, full of darkness, you will experience the dark night of the soul. You will be in that place where you feel like you're all alone, when you feel like there's no help, there's, no, there's nothing that can rescue you. And in that place is the place where you find God. That's Because God's faithful, um, we don't have to live under the burden of our own way. Um, because God's faithful, we don't have to live under the burden of being manipulators. And one of the points that he was making was, um, he, he did it through the, the story of um, Isaac and Esau yeah. and Jacob. Um, but he was saying, coming to a place of broke, I wrote, coming to a place of brokenness engenders trust. Mm. Like you have to be at that spot where you're like, I can't do it. Yeah. Before God's going to be able to take over. Well, and that's the thing. But when you're in that place, you come to a crossroads. You come to a fork in the road. And that's the place where you either cry out to God and find God in that place. Because if you cry out to Him in that place, you will find Turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians? Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing. Everyone that's ever found God, in my opinion, in a real way, has found Him in that place of darkness. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's where you necessarily get saved or whatever, because some people get saved and they're really not walking it. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? They really haven't, they, they haven't really met Him. But when you understand it, you're usually in a place of darkness. Yeah, because that's... And the thing is, is He will put you in that place. God will allow circumstances, and I'm, I, you know what, one of these days I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys my testimony, but before I got saved, I hated God. I would go out and I would yell and I would curse God to his face and I would flip him off and I would tell him that I hated him because God had me in that place and God was chasing me down and he was applying the pressure and he was applying the pressure 
and applying the pressure, and I'm fighting against it, just like Saul, when God come to, came to Saul, and he said, why are you kicking against the goats? Because God, is, God had a cattle prod, and he's poking him, and he's trying to get him to go in the right direction, and he's fighting against it. And that's the way we are. God is trying to point us in the right direction, but we can't do it until we come to the end of ourselves. And unfortunately, that's the way it, it usually has to be. We have to come to the very end of ourselves because it's when we come to that place to where we're like, I cannot save myself. I cannot deliver myself. I cannot do anything to help myself. I am in a situation where I got no options. And then at that place, again, you can choose to keep turning away or you can choose to cry out to Him and say, God, I need you right now. And if you're sincere, and if your heart is open, God will meet you in that place. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and I love this because, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Achaia, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. Let me read that again. God who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. This is the purpose, or a purpose, of God in our lives. God rescues us so that we can rescue others. God ministers to us. He shows us how much He loves us so that we can show others how much He loves them. Alright? Um... I was going to say something else, but I forgot. Sometimes we don't understand what we're going through, and sometimes what we're going through is just so that God can help us one day to identify with right. something else. Right, and, and what I was going to say is this, is that I have had to deal with depression. I've had to deal with a lot of depression in my life. I know what it's like to deal with depression. The thing that has rescued me from depression is ministering to other people. Forgetting my troubles, my because the thing is, guys, we focus on ourselves. We focus on our problems, our this and our. And the more we focus on it, the bigger it gets. Yep. It 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 grows huge and huge, and it's this ginormous thing. And pretty soon, that's all that we can see. When it's really this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good, Megan. And the thing is, is, is when you begin to minister to other people and to help other people who are in the same situation, your thing starts to shrink. Yep. And it starts to shrink. And it starts. I remember when I was a kid, I watched this Star Trek episode. I, I don't know. They, the more they fought, this thing would grow yeah, and grow. Yeah, bigger and bigger, yeah. yeah it got bigger and bigger. And then they, they're like, they came to the realization, stop doing that. Stop fighting, <laughs> and it'll shrink. And so they stopped fighting, and they started laughing and, you know, having a good time, and the thing started shrinking. In the same way, when you begin to help somebody else, I, it, 
it begins, that burden begins to lift off your shoulders because now you are taking that which God has given you. And what happens is because before you're like a river that's dammed up. There's no life that can get through it because it's all, it's all like right here. But when you open that up and allow the river to flow, the river of God will flow through you and it will bring life to other people and it will begin to minister to other people. And that's where, that's where deliverance comes. That's like the verse, I think it's in Psalms, it says to magnify the Lord. Mm-hmm. And when I was teaching yeah, my I was children, like, that, we but... took a magnifying glass and like, you know yeah. how it gets bigger. Mm-hmm. And like we're to make the Lord bigger than our problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's really good too. That's, a, that's an, again, that's an important aspect of worship. Uh, again, it's not, we don't do it for ourselves and stuff. But, you know, if you forget about your problems and worship the Lord, then sooner or later, before you know it, you're like, oh, wow, hey, my problems are lighter now. And again, that's not why we do it. We don't do it for that reason. We, you know, but we're worshiping God with all of our hearts. And again, that it comes back on you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just there's no way that it cannot do that. And so again, that's not that's not the reason why why we worship, but that's a side benefit of why we do it. That's that's just an extra blessing that's involved. That's actually, one of the strongest weapons that we can use when we're battling depression is just to stop focusing on ourselves and start focusing on him and, and focus on his goodness and his greatness and okay verse five for just as the sufferings of christ are ours in abundance so also the com- our comfort is abundant through christ look at paul he says but if we're afflicted it's for your comfort and salvation if we're comforted, it's for your. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. In other words, as brothers, we're all in this together. Again, that's why we need each other. Verse seven. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength. Look at this. The Apostle Paul, the greatest man in the New Testament outside of Jesus. He says, we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. Isn't that so awesome? That just blows me away because, again, we what, what we do is like people that, that, that we idolize and I don't mean that in a bad sense but people that we look up to and people that we're like wow I want to be like that person we do we kind of put them on a pedestal and we don't see their faults we don't see their weaknesses we just think man Paul this great awesome guy and stuff and Paul's like dude we were like despairing of life we thought we were gonna die we were like we were throwing in the towel and stuff and it's like um um, in verse 9, Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. So they're like, we're going to die, but it's okay because God is going to raise us from the dead. <laughs> in verse 10, Who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope and he will yet deliver us. Um, verse 11, you also joining and helping us through our prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. Again, uh, it's, uh, Christianity is not a one-person thing. 
This is not something that we do on our own. It's like me, myself, and the Lord. We're all good. You've got to have brothers. Even Paul, he would always ask the believers, hey, pray for me, you know? And he, it wasn't some, he wasn't self-sufficient. He wasn't this might, you know, in his viewpoint, I mean, we look at him as the mighty man of God. But in his viewpoint, he's like, I'm the chief of sinners. And he's, you know, he didn't see himself like that. And he coveted the prayers of people. And he's like, man, I need your prayers. I'm just a dude doing, doing, doing the Lord's work. And that's the thing. There are no superstars. We're all just dudes. We're all just doing what we're doing. And God blesses it, you know. And that's, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a Billy Graham or it doesn't matter if you're just the janitor just doing your thing. If you're following the Lord, man, that's precious. Yeah. You know, and he sees that. Yep. Did you uh, did you have some scriptures? Right yeah. Okay. It's kind of yeah. funny cuz I like I was preparing this and he was like, "Hey, I got some I got some scriptures that the Lord's now been Cindy, showing me on that." Cindy, leaving me, darn. I'll just have to wait. <laughs> 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 oh, it's not that special so <coughs> you won't miss much. Um Okay, so there's a whole, whole bunch I want to share, so I'm, I'm not going to do that and take up a lot of time. But um, the Lord, I, I take counseling classes, and I, I believe in the Word of God to heal us, but I also believe in counseling, um, and I've learned a lot from that. Um, so I, But I believe above all that God's Word is our greatest counselor. In fact, I don't even know where it is, but there's a scripture above my coffee pot that says, for thy testimonies are my counselors. And I think that, um, obviously, if I'm in counseling school, I believe in counseling, but I just, I, sometimes people can't afford that, you know, and, and the Word of God is better than all that anyway. <laughs> and so I've just found that the Word of God has really strengthened me personally, and I've seen what it's done in a lot of other people's lives. And so I just want to share just a few scriptures about just discouragement and depression and things like that. And Um, Isaiah 26, and I'll just read because I don't want to take up a lot of time, so I'll just read them to you guys. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. The steadfast of mind will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. And there's so much in that. So first of all, it says the steadfast in mind. Um, I would like to hear Luna's, if he had it, open the translation in like a different... It's like when you have your mind set, there's another translation, I think it's King James, that says, the mind stayed on thee will be kept in perfect peace. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Yeah. And so, yeah, so like if we're struggling with having peace in our lives, if we'll we'll keep our mind set on the Lord, we'll find that peace from his word. And um, Philippians, um, Psalms 119.74, Philippians. Oh, sorry, Psalms one nineteen. May those who fear thee see me and be glad, because I wait for thy word. Um. Oh no, I did a dean. No. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I got the wrong scripture reference. That's probably. Um. 
the scripture I'm looking for says uh, that I put my hope in your word. Um, Psalms 119, 116. Sustain me according to thy word that I may live. And do not let me be ashamed of my hope. And all through the Psalms, David, David struggled with depression and discouragement constantly. But he knew how to stir his heart up. And he mm. knew how to overcome that. And all through the Psalms, if you read it, you'll see that he learned how to worship God, even in spite of his circumstances. And sometimes his circumstances were just god-awful terrible. <laughs> and yet he would tell his soul to, to um, he would say, why are you cast down on my soul? Put your hope in God. And this one is, sustain me according to your word. So God's word can sustain us. And 114. 114. Yeah, yeah, thou art my hiding place and my shield. I wait for your word. So I'm just going to read a bunch of these really quick. Just in the Psalms 119, um, I would strongly encourage you guys, if you struggle at all with discouragement, to just absorb yourself in Psalms 119 because there is a whole bunch of them in there. So let's just throw them off. Thy testimonies also are my delight. They are my counselors. My soul weeps because of grief. Grief, strengthen me, Lord, according to your word. I cleave to your testimonies, O Lord. Do not put me to shame. This is my comfort in my affliction, that thy word has revived me. I have remembered your ordinances from of old, O Lord, and they comfort me. If thy law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. Oh, may thy loving kindness comfort me according to thy word. I have inherited thy testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. Sustain me according to your word that I may live. Those who love your law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. That's one of my favorite ones. So... Basically, he learned that when he was struggling, he would allow the Word of God and the Scripture to revive him, to encourage him. Revive me according to your Word. Trouble and anguish have come upon me, for thy, but thy commandments are my delight. He would just let the Word minister to him. and um, There's just so much power in the Word. And, and you can just... <laughs> yes. I'm not the teacher, but I just wanted to share how powerful I think... I think the word is to really comfort us in our sorrow and um, a lot of times when we're feeling worthless and we're feeling depressed and we're feeling sad it's because we're being overwhelmed by the enemy and the enemy is speaking all these lies over us and the only way to battle those lies is with truth and God's word is truth and so if you grasp a hold of just start reading the Psalms if you're just feeling so like you're overwhelmed just pick it up and start reading it and it'll, it'll help a lot I promise it just helps so much so. so yeah, let's um speaking of which we'll just end on a Psalm, Psalm thirty four. Thirty four verse fifteen. It says the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. Look at this, his ears are open to their cry. Mm -hmm. Verse seventeen, the righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Look at this in verse eighteen. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I just want to end up in some prayer. Look at that, oh, right under that. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, mm. 
And keeps all his bones from breaking. That one's going to Lord, we thank you for your word, Father God, and I just pray that you would, as your believers, that you would teach us how to how to uh, stand on your word, Lord. I pray that you would give us faith to believe your word and not the words of this world, not the words of the enemy, not the words of even friends or, or people that know us, Lord God. Father, I pray that we would listen to your word and that your word would strengthen us. I pray that you would grant us a love for your word. I pray that you would grant us a love for, for studying your word, for meditating on your word, for reading your word. And, Lord, that we would just, uh, Lord, we would allow your word to speak to us. And I pray for each person here, Lord God, every person, Lord, I pray that you would just strengthen each person, Lord God, that you would uphold us throughout this week, Lord God, and that you would, uh, Father God, that you would uh, make yourself so real to us, Father God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to open it up to anybody that wants any 